And there's something about preaching through the Bible. Uh, you have to cover every text. And sometimes <laughs> you want to skip the text, okay? How many of you ever come to a text and go, I, I don't want to meditate on that? And this Today's text was directed at husbands. Uh, so uh, it was much easier to preach about the wives, I'll be honest, <laughs> than to think about the husbands. So but, uh, turn around is fair play. And today, pray for me and pray for your husband as we, uh, as we think about these words today. Let's just bow our heads and ask God to be with us again. Father in heaven, we're thankful today that we can spend again some time in your word. And we ask that your spirit would attend today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. That your prayers be not hindered. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. I want to start at the end of the text and then work through it uh, kind of in a reverse fashion, just um, in terms of organization today. That your prayers be not hindered. Prayer is uh, in America... 55% pray at least daily, 16% weekly, 6% monthly, 23% seldom or never. Um, and prayer, what is prayer exactly? Um, what is prayer? The word itself means to pray or worship, means to hold the mind and pay attention. So it's paying attention to God, it's worshiping, it's holding your mind in focus. This is what prayer is. It's this communication between yourself and God. Now, here's a picture, an MRI picture, of what it looks like when you're thinking about someone you love. So think about someone you love right now. Is anybody you love? Think about that. And that's what's happening in your head, okay? So that's the part of your brain that is lighting up. Now notice this. Notice what area lights up when you pray. Back. What's it look like? It's exactly the what? It's exactly the same area. And this is why I think this quote that I've heard since I was young, prayer is opening our hearts to God just as we do with a friend. And it's exactly the same areas of the mind that light up when we are praying. Does prayer have any value? Of course, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but perhaps um, I'm not as well. Many people watch, and many people even here today may have not been given to prayer that much in their life. Research focusing on the power of prayer and healing has nearly doubled in the past 10 years, and just some of the research... Prayer increases forgiveness, prayer reduces anger, prayer increases goal achievement. And by the way, uh, forgiveness has been linked to about 73% of all disease. So if you can forgive, you are able to live. Prayer reduces anger, prayer increases goal achievement, prayer increases longevity, prayer protects teens from drug use. And the more prayer you have, the more peace that you have as well. Um, unfortunately, the more education you have, the less prayer you have. And the more money you make, the less prayer you have. 
which here we get educated so we can make money, which is a dangerous place. Um, so just some statistics on prayer. Can you see why, if at all possible, prayer should not be hindered? And our text says that your prayers be not hindered. Well, what are ways that husbands can avoid the hindrance of their prayers and have a fulfilling marriage? That's what our text is talking about today. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. So first of all, dwell with them, that is, their own wives, with understanding. The first thing that we talk about in our text that would lead to not having our prayers hindered is to dwell with your own wife with understanding. Of course, uh, we know it's your own wife because the context I'm talking about wives was wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands. And so in the context, it's with your own wife. Um, dwell with them with understanding. Does this refer to a believing or an unbelieving wife? We know from the context that we, in our last message on Peter, we were looking at Wives, submit to your own husbands, to those that believe and those who do not obey. Our children's story today was about disobedient uh, individuals. And um, so, does this refer to a believing or an unbelieving wife? Let's just say it refers to both. Um, you're to dwell with a believing or unbelieving wife. And what does that mean? The Greek word actually means to dwell with them, um, to actually be in union with, by association, companionship, to be beside or with. Um, it is important to be living together if you are husband and wife. To live separately does not help you dwell together. <laughs> I know this seems obvious, but it, uh, for some it, it doesn't seem that obvious. And, and so they begin to draw apart from one another. And oikio means in a house, to, co to cohabit together. Um, and you can actually live in a house together, but still not be really in a close association with each other. Uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I gave you a picture to clue you in. So... This is what they call fubbing. Have you ever heard the phrase fubbing? And fubbing is a combination of words, phone plus snubbing. And this is what's called fubbing. So you can live together and be fubbing, and you're not really living together. There is an association between the frequency of text messaging to others and the lack of sensitivity to the needs of one's partner. And how many of you in your home have had your spouse say to you, uh, I wish you would put the phone down so we could talk together? Don't look nervously at each other. <laughs> Just boldly look at each other and say. So maybe you have been a fupper. And this can cause problems. Individuals who exchange more text messages specifically with their partners, however, feel closer to them as they share experiences and events throughout the day. So phones can also be good, maybe sending a text message uh, when you're somewhere else. Um, some people actually send text messages to each other in different parts of the house. 
Um, maybe better than that would actually be in the same room together cohabiting. But uh, sending text messages to each other is better than sending text messages to other people in the presence of your spouse. Now these things seem obvious, however, um, they are real things that happen in real homes. Um, so I mentioned them. The same technology that can help couples to remain close to one another when they are in different locations can damage their relationships if used to engage with others in the partner's presence. So today, this is actually a huge problem. There's a lot of statistics on it. It's not a small deal. You can, you can actually, today, because of technology, the devil has figured out how to split up homes in their very homes. First of all, it was people having televisions in their own rooms. Now it's people having their smartphones in any room. And so the devil has figured out how to hinder the dwelling together. And if you're not dwelling together in relationship, then your prayers are hindered by that. Um, thank you. I must look dehydrated. It's not good. <laughs> Dwell with their own wise with understanding. So to reside closely together and with knowledge. Um, so to reside closely together with understanding, the word gnosis, actually this actually means an intimate knowledge. And so you're to be close together mentally, emotionally, and physically. It commonly was used as a euphemism throughout scriptures for intimate relations between a man and a woman. So actually being together in the same house and being engaged mentally, emotionally, and physically is what leads to not having your prayers hindered. Now there's another corollary text that is actually talking about the same thing in 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 5. Because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. And let the husband render, that is to give back or yield to the wife, the affection. This is the same idea of intimacy, conjugal duty to her. And likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority or control of her own body, but the husband does. And likewise the husband does not have authority or control of his own body, but the wife does. Why is this important? Do not deprive, separate from one another, that's what the word deprive means, separate, from one another, except with consent, um, suphonos, that means agreement through talking, for a time. And the idea there, time, is a very short time. It's not a long time. It's not days, weeks, months. It's a very short time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. So there are times special times of fasting and prayer um, where you agree on beforehand to not be in that close association, but it has to be agreed on. This is what the Bible is saying. Why? Come together again, that is to cohabit, a symbol associate with, so that Satan does not tempt, and the word tempt there means entice you because of your lack of self-control, your powerlessness to restrain yourself. So this, uh, is this a text that we should actually consider in today's society? Is it a serious word, actually? Well, it is. 
because there is a dangerous temptation of virtual infidelity on the internet, and it's breaking up multitudinous homes, both inside the church and outside the church. And um, so the Bible is not a, uh, a book that doesn't talk about practical realities. And to toy with these things is to play with fire. And it's to play with the potential uh, hindering not only of your love life with God, that is your prayer life with God, but your love life with each other. Number two, giving honor to the wife. Bestowing, that is to give honor. The Greek word there is teme. Um, and giving teme to the wife. Now this word teme literally means money, paid or valuables. So to give honor to the wife would be to give of your resources so that your wife can fulfill her role in life without having to stress out. It's extending yourself for your wife. And I think husbands like to do that. How many of you wives here would say that your husbands like to work to provide so you can do what you do? Anybody here like that? Okay, I don't see as many hands as I would like, so we'll be having a men's meeting afterwards. <laughs> Respect is earned, but honor is given. This is not something the wife has to earn. Honor is not something the wife earns. Honor is something that is supposed to be given, irregardless of what the wife does or doesn't do. It's kind of like um, in our text before, submitting to the husband that's a believer or non-believer, regardless if they're good, bad, or ugly, um, this is the way to reach their hearts, and the way to reach the heart of the wife is to honor. Irregardless, respect is, is earned, but honor is given. Not because of what she does, but because of who she is and what her role is. Supporting her so she can fulfill that role. This is giving honor to the wife. And how do you show honor? Well, you do this with private and public praise. Um, speaking well of her to others. And siding with her, not with family or friends, when they disagree with her. There's nothing that will devastate your wife more than agreeing with people that are saying bad things of her right in her presence or in the presence of the children. Um, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for anyone who has ever done that, but this is not giving honor to the wife. And by the way, the same would be true of anybody. Um, if you think that your wife has done something wrong, it is better to have a private discussion of that problem with her not in front of the children or others, and go to her alone, following the admonition of Matthew 18, verse 15. This is giving honor to the wife. And another way that was honor was given and was demonstrated in Jewish homes was the Reading of Proverbs 31, and the first two words of verse 10, um, Esher Shail, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, it means virtuous woman. Let's look at that 
proverb together, and this particular proverb, we'll open up to it, was read each Friday evening by the husband to the wife. And sometimes it was sung by the husband to the wife. And I can almost hear Rick Garcia singing this. How many can hear him singing it? Um, to his wife. Um, and uh, here it is. And I'm expecting every man by next week to learn this song. And I want to hear reports from your wife. Now, this does not have to be in tune. Um, where does the Bible say? It, it must be maybe a joyful noise. <laughs> uh, could be a noise, just so long as it's joyful. So let's read this together, and this is what you were supposed to be reading to your wife each Friday night at the beginning of the Sabbath. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies, and the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like a merchant ship, like the merchant ships that bring her food from afar. Now I gotta just say that my wife is, I don't think I've ever called her a merchant ship, but she does bring things from one house to another. I mean, even this last week when we went to visit her father, we got there and we have like five suitcases. I'm going, why do we have five suitcases? Because she is a merchant ship. <laughs> bringing things to the relatives. And when we're coming home, all of a sudden, uh, there's boxes and this and that. I don't even say anything anymore. I just go, okay, we're now taking back suitcases of things afar. And I remember when we, when we got married, uh, uh, Maya, her grandmother, came, had these big suitcases. I go, well, why are they bringing so many suitcases to my wedding? Opened up the suitcases, they were filled with green beans. <laughs> and all the ladies started snapping the green beans, and we had some wonderful stew. And this time, when we came back, there was honey. And there was this and that. I said, are you sure this is not going to break? You know, and she's packing everything. She is like a merchant ship. Um, and seeks wool and flax, willingly works with her hands. She's like a merchant ship. I mean, her sisters are like this too. Um, I mean, they said, do you want to make some, some lip gloss or what was it called? Chapstick. We can't use that because it's a technical term. And the one sister brought all this stuff, all these different things, and there they were making chapstick. I'm like, I would have never thought of that. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a beautiful thing, but uh, I am the recipient of well-chapped or unchapped lips because of this. She also rule, rises while it is night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it from her prophets. She plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. Now, by the way, if you're not this kind of wife, this is not telling you you have to stay up all night in different things. It's just, actually, as I read, 
uh, the different commentators on this, this is a combination of all kinds of wives smashed into one by Solomon with good attributes. And of course, Solomon had a lot of wives, so maybe that's why he knows. But he had, <laughs> which is not something I had planned to say, so take that out. Um, she stretches, <laughs> okay, back to the drawing board. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she reaches out her hands to the needy. You know, when I was first dating my wife, she was, she, she's my ex-fiance, but when I was dating her, uh, her, her father did not like me for, for, for some reasons, which maybe you guys have figured out knowing me as long as you do. And it didn't really like me that much, but she liked me, and then she decided to make me a quilt. I don't know if you remember this. Tried to make me a quilt, and so she was um, um, holding the spindle. She was making this quilt, and then she got to the end, and she was having a hard time finishing it, and she actually convinced her father, who was trained as a tailor in Romania, to help her with that quilt. And uh, that's when I knew. <laughs> I'm covered. <laughs> She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself, her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now I've got to say something else about my wife here. She opens her mouth with wisdom and her, on her tongue is the law of kindness. My wife is an ultimate psychologist. She has to deal with people with serious mental issues, like myself <laughs> and my children. And she... she I mean, 99.9999% of the time will find just the right thing to say. Well, let's say 100%. I don't want to even deal with that small, my small thing. <laughs> really. And uh, I know that uh, many of your wives have that. How many of you say your wives are like that? Amen. All right. If your wife is like something you see in, in, in the proverb here, it might be good to, to appropriately you know, acknowledge that even while we're reading. Um, Verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. My wife certainly watches over the ways of her household. There is a place for everything, and everything needs to be in its place, well organized. And I, I, I really don't know where things are. But, <laughs> but my wife does. And, uh, and that's a good thing. It's good for someone to know where things are. Um, <laughs> her children rise up and call her blessed. This is true in my household. They don't necessarily rise up and call me blessed, but they do call their mother blessed. Amen? And her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, 
and let our own works praise her in the gates. This was to be read how often? Every Friday night. By the way, the rabbis also taught that Adam and Eve came together on Friday evening. And that's why her name was Eve, right? And they came together the evening. And this is where they came together the very first time in intellectual, mental, emotional, physical union. Um, Proverbs 31. And interestingly enough, as I was reading this, um, this was originally Abraham's eulogy for his wife, Sarah. And the reason I mention this is because in our last passage, you remember that Sarah called Abraham her husband, Lord. Remember that as we studied? And Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. But he also turned it around and praised her and honored her with this particular proverb every single Friday night and probably more than that. So it was sung every Friday night as the Sabbath is welcome. And I know Rick is already working on how this would go. It's actually supposed to say Proverbs 31. Um, and there is a tune that's very familiar, um, and I thought maybe you want to hear it. Would you like to hear the melody, at least, of this proverb? Um, and I can see Pastor Jean Noel is also committing to singing this to his wife. Amen? All right, and we're going to visit later to see if this has been happening. Okay, I think there's supposed to be sound right now. It is not on. Okay, I, I, want, to, I want you guys to actually hear it, so I'm going to start it again. I can see Wyatt singing this. Leland, I expect great things from you. Dr. Gallant. It's not that hard. practice up. You can Google this and so you don't have to get it from me. And I think that uh, Dr. Fleming, his wife, plays the violin. She can play this through until he learns it. <laughs> and uh, there, there, his prayers will not be hindered as a result. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. So our next thing is to give honor to the wife, we talked about that, as to the weaker vessel. Honor as to the weaker vessel. What does this mean? Well, literally means weaker human body. In terms of absolute strength, that is without regard to body size, weight, or composition, the average man tends to be considerably stronger than the average woman. 
How many of you wives here would say that your husband is physically stronger than you are? Okay, others, um, this might be a bone of contention. However, um, specifically the absolute total body strength of women has been reported as being roughly 67% that of men. So usually the man is stronger than the woman. Now I've met some cases where the woman is definitely stronger than the man, and um, I can tell you some stories about, about that, but um, what does this mean? How would you give honor since you are, you know, a little bit stronger physically than your wife? Well, this man has figured it out. <laughs> he has figured out how to use that skill to help his wife. And this man also has figured it out. <laughs> Both of these folks have. And they're using their strength and their might to do things that perhaps the wife um, can't do. And then, um, just out of, uh, of goodwill, opening the door. How many of you still enjoy it when your husband opens the door for you? Um, so giving honor through utilizing your physical strength in a way that blesses your wife. Then, as being heirs together of the grace of life. I think this is a very important thing. While we may not be equal physically in strength, we definitely are equal in our need of the Lord. We're equal mentally, we're equal emotionally, we're equal spiritually, and we're equal in the fact that we both need God's grace. Remember, you're equal in the sight of God mentally, mostly spiritually. You both will make mistakes. How many of you have already figured that out? And that's actually the reason for marriage, that you can make mistakes and grow. When you get married, you've, been, you've actually, actually uh, God has given you the gift of a mirror for your marriage. And the word ish in Hebrew is male. Isha means literally in your face. So... Uh, it is face-to-face -face relationship where you're seeing in your wife who you really are and who you really aren't and who you should be and who you shouldn't be. And this is the value of marriage. Uh, someone wrote a book that says, marriage, what if marriage was not just to make you happy? What if it also was to make you holy? And if you're really holy, you probably also will be really happy as well. You both need grace. By grace, you save through faith. And there will be mistakes made. But when mistakes are made, you have the right, the Bible says, to be angry. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, this is not an out-of-control anger that's you know, bombastic or physically abusive. But I think sometimes we have to realize that we should actually be angry at times when things are not going the right way, and we should communicate that. Now, i gotta have, I got to admit that I have a hard time communicating anger. I mean, maybe my wife thinks that's not true. I'm not sure. I'm not going to even look at my wife right now, okay? <laughs> but I really do have a hard time communicating that, and maybe some other men have that as well, because... The reason men sometimes have a hard time communicating their anger is because it's embarrassing to admit that they have any needs. Okay, no men are going to support me on that. Um, it, it's embarrassing. 
and to, to admit that you have a physical, emotional, mental, spiritual need, you really won't, don't even want to say it. And so lots of times people, uh, to use or misuse a, ther- a term by Henry David Thoreau, most men live, live lives of quiet desperation. And that means that they isolate, they don't talk about stuff, and they expect their wives to figure it out. And when they don't figure it out, they feel even worse. So this text is saying, don't do that. Express the things that are upsetting you and try and do it that day. Don't let it linger. Don't let it linger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't move to Norway so that you have longer to be angry. You know? Try and take care of the issue then. Now, this seems like a small thing, but I'm telling you, this is the truth. This is why it's in the Bible. Because if you don't take care of it that day, notice another text by Paul. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. If you don't take care of things that day, then it goes on day after day and it gets harder and harder and then you're living with resentment and anger and you're even more embarrassed about it and you don't express it. And then your marriage is very, very vulnerable um, to many different things. How many think that Peter is onto something and Paul is onto something here? Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And of course, Christ loved the church even though the church was what? Not perfect. This was not the perfect wife. You read throughout the Bible, Israel's called God's wife and she did not do everything correct. But Christ still did not give up on the church, but died for the church. So, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do not live in such a way that your wife will think heaven is an undesirable place if you are to be there. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Some people say, I don't want to go to heaven if you're going to be there. Don't live that way. And let not the wife manifest such a spirit that husband and children will feel a relief in being away from her presence. So, um, practical example. So husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Is marriage only love? Remember, this is a picture of what? This is what happens in our brains when we're in love or we're talking to someone we love. And marriage should be like that, but maybe marriage should also be what? Prayer. Maybe marriage should be prayer. Prayer without ceasing. Love without ceasing. A dialogue between two, just as there's a dialogue between you and God. And perhaps... We need to pray for one another and our marriages. How many of you husbands want to pray for the other husbands? How many of you wives want to pray for the husbands? And husbands for the wives? That's the picture that we find in our passage today. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, 
giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's stand together as we sing our closing hymn. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.